about the CW's Riverdale that honestly is very sad right now. I'm Alex. Uh, dark is a great time and place to cry. And that's what I've been doing for so long. <laughs> I'm Justin. I'm Pete. Fuck you and fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to be talking about Riverdale's third episode of season five, chapter 79, Graduation. As you probably know, as you probably have suspected, this is going to be a fraught podcast, I think, to put it uh, It doesn't have to be because honestly, like, there, sure. are no, there are no sides in this episode. I feel like so much of the yeah, show. Yeah, but this is something you've wanted to happen for a no. long time and Hold you on. finally got Here, to. I'm going to set a couple of grad rules first off. Oh my God. Uh, and for those of you who, for whatever reason, are listening to us for the first time, we'll go through a recap of the episode bit by bit. I'll give you a bit of setup because there's a lot of things going on here uh, in oh. a wonderful way. I think this. This was very much a culmination of four years of storytelling, yes. which is pretty fantastic. Uh, but the main thing that I want to say for the podcast, because there's some very passionate feelings about all the couples uh, and everybody involved here, as well as all the characters, is uh, just to throw it out. If somebody says the word, I like this, that means it was well done. That doesn't mean right. this is a fun thing for anybody yeah. necessarily. It wasn't mean I, I didn't write something. I'm not, when I say I like something, it doesn't mean I was there in the room and saying, that's it. End that relationship because there's a better one out there. I'm not saying that. That's not well, what I'm saying. I, you just you only directed the. Episode, I directed right? yeah, it exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Your line producer cred has a lot of pull in this town, and you made that happen. <laughs> yeah, I made one phone call uh, so yeah, and just, I said, I just said speaking, the word. Actually. I just said the word Barchi into an open phone, and we'll see what happens. Well, I hope you're happy. <laughs> About what? Who possibly came out of this episode feeling happy? What? Nobody. So that's what, just, just if, we, the, if we want to do a quick over. No, this is, was such a a heartbreaking episode. Like in yeah, every yeah. way they sort of, in, in a good way, and I, I'm very positive on this episode, but they really just twisted the knife in almost every possible way they could in this. And to <laughs> to culminate, it really is a culmination of the series so far. Which I thought was I was so surprised by, uh, you know, even even if it was the last well, episode think, of the fourth season, I did not see it coming that this is going to be such a retrospective. Yeah, uh, I mean, this is so the episode is written by Roberto Aguirre so it's directed by Gabriel Gabriel Correa, who's directed a bunch of episodes, including In Memoriam at the beginning of the season and a couple of other really standout ones. I think. He knows the cast really well. He knows how to work with them. He knows how to get the best performance out of them. But also what Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa as a writer, I think, does really well is make these mission statement episodes. You know, that's kind of the job of the showrunner anyway, to come in usually at the beginning of the end of the season and say, hey, this is what this was about. This is what I was trying to say here, along with my writing staff, along with collaborators, etc. But particularly with Riverdale... 
he says what he wants to say about small town American life. He says what he wants to say about the Archie comics characters, the characters on Riverdale themselves. And to your point, Justin, I mean, we'll get to the actual recap in a second, but they're probably not going to call it this. They're definitely going on with the chapter structure, but it almost feels like this is the end of Riverdale book one. You know, these first four seasons were book one and then whatever is going on next, that is a new story we're telling about Riverdale. And that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Or it was so sad. It just feels like this is the end. Full stop. Yeah. Well, but we have another episode coming next week. So it's not exactly. It's a whole new situation. But for uh, for this to be, I mean, we talked a lot about how we thought this episode was going to be a bunch of emotional fireworks and like a lot of arguments and uh, like heartbreak. And it wasn't that at all. I was so surprised by that. It was a lot of heartbreak, but it was also a lot of like enduring friendship and like respect, understanding um, in a way that was sort of harder to watch. When you see like these characters who have hurt each other and they're just like sort of with each other because they love each other too much to fight and walk away. But they know that something's fundamentally wrong in what happened. It was I almost wanted some yelling and some fighting or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, this was watching everybody quietly accept everything. And we'll talk about the specific moments, obviously. Really hard, amazing Ugh. acting work on everybody's part, but very hard to watch. Uh, again, I know we're delaying actually getting into the meat of the podcast proper, but the main thing that I was thinking about off this episode was my own high school graduation experience, reflecting yeah. on that and going back to that's like. I have a very specific memory of when that last bell rang, sitting on the floor next to my locker and just watching everybody pass by and being like, this is it. This is done. And feeling these wells of confusing emotions, this emptiness, uh, not knowing what necessarily what's next. And then as we get to the end of the episode and everybody's slowly drifting away from Riverdale again, you know, for better or for worse, like I was ready to go to college. I was like, uh, let me I you know, I had friends. I loved parts of my high school experience. Flex. I was very much <laughs> friend flex flex. <laughs> really flexing. Also, oh, that you was ha- the part not going to high school was the flex. And the, the fact that you were outside your locker rather than jammed into it, flex. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Outside your hard, locker, uh, I've told the story before, but I think it was the second to last day of school. I still, as a nerd, had never been stuffed into a locker. So I stuffed myself into a locker, had a friend stand outside, stay in there for like a minute, and then they let me out. Performative like, <laughs> nerd. Alex, I hate to tell you this, but... This has all been a dream, and you're still sitting outside that locker. Oh, wow. you <laughs> mad- <laughs> What are podcasts? <laughs> oh, my God. You vented podcasts in your mind. Uh, oh, that makes a lot of sense. That yeah. definitely everything <laughs> tracks. Your Let's bro- get into the recap, because obviously <laughs> wait, wait. there's a lot of stuff. What? Yes. Pete, I just go. wanted to say that, like, for the people listening, I hope you're doing all right after watching this episode. It was rough, and I hope you're doing all right. Yeah, that is very sweet to you. And I, yeah, that is a very nice thing to say, Pete. Uh, Now, I'm not going to cover absolutely everything of the recap here because it quite literally is like four years of stories that you (laughs) need to understand. Um, But the big thing that I think you need to understand going into this episode is that we're picking up off of the season four, beginning of season five mystery, which is about the auteur voyeur. This is a mysterious group, a cabal that was distributing weird videotapes first at people's doorways and then later on recreations of traumatic events in Riverdale history. We found out that Jellybean Jones was behind it. She was the auteur, the voyeur, but wasn't doing it by herself. 
She was doing it with a bunch of other tweens and teens in the town, uh, and they were wearing uh, creepy masks of the classic Archie Comics characters. Uh, That's the big thing you need to know there. Uh, Obviously, FP, very upset about it, as we'll get into in a moment. Um, But the resolution there was much quieter than we were used to. It wasn't really fireworks. It was mostly Jellybean saying, I'm sorry, and FP giving her a big hug. The other big emotional thing that you need to know about, uh, which is going to set Pete off in three, two, one is that Betty and Archie kissed during the talent show, during Hedwig and the Angry Inch. The origin this of year. love. Uh, they fuck you, dude. Agreed. Don't fucking throw salt, bro. That's salt. Shut it. I'm clearly just, I'm cleaning. Don't get fucking that. rules in the beginning if you're going to fucking be a douche. <laughs> just said, I just said what happened. What the song, it was a nice song, and they kissed. Don't. They happened, they Don't. bumped. They bumped Let lips. Let fucking recap. They bumped lips during the song. So they had an agreement. They didn't know exactly what it meant for their feelings, but they shut it down pretty quickly uh, in the subsequent episodes. However, the truth, as it always tends to do, came out first at the prom for Veronica and Archie. They decided to stay together for the kids, as it were, or essentially really just stay together (laughs) for for Jughead, not to hurt his feelings. They didn't want to tear them apart. And they also didn't want to be the center of all this drama when everybody was dealing with big feelings around graduation. I think we all agreed on the podcast that... It was very big, very mature, hard to watch, but Veronica in particular, uh, at the center of this drama, made some incredible, awful, heartbreaking decisions yep. uh, that were really well written and really well done. Uh, but again, hard to watch. Um, but obviously, there's another half of the equation that we're going to have to get into here. Uh, <laughs> other things that they've been dealing with that play into this episode almost immediately is Jughead and Archie had pretty weird school years. Jughead died for a little while, so mm-hmm. he didn't really finish all of his academics. But Betty pushed him very hard to catch up on that. Archie, meanwhile, was killed by a bear for a little while, uh, also briefly died, uh, started a gang, was a vigilante on the streets, has been running a gym, you know, high lots of things stuff. going on with him. And he didn't make it into... Yes, uh, and I think he made a 600 on his practice test or something like that, yeah. and then he walked out of the SATs and punched a mirror. I, I don't remember the exact <laughs> continuity there, but uh, he hasn't been doing very well academically, but is trying to graduate anyway. Um, the other thing that's going on with him that you should probably know is he didn't make it into Naval Academy after losing a boxing match with K.O. Kelly from over in Katie Keene, um, as one is wont to do. That's how admissions to the Naval Academy work. Yeah, and uh, so- also... You can't you can't think you're just going to take down K.O. Kelly. Yeah. A couple of other things that have been going on here. Cheryl and Tony have hit a little bit of a snag after the prom. Uh, Tony's Nana, Nana Topez, uh, does not approve of her dating a Blossom, particularly because the Blossoms took over the indigenous people's land in Riverdale, uh, took it away from them, and they have never let that go pretty fairly. But it's in classic Riverdale fashion, something that has seeped throughout the generations. Um, But Tony has sworn that she's going to work on it. On the other end of the spectrum, Cheryl has been kind of working on it in the most blossom way possible, uh, where she told her mom, and mom was like, don't worry, I'll take care of it, and then proceeded to kill their entire family. (laughs) Murder your entire family. Something surprisingly Uh, not discussed much in this episode. Nope. (laughs) Uh, The other thing uh, that's been going on with Cheryl, we had a little hint of this, but as she was picking up a road, turns out there's not a cheerleading program at Highsmith College where she was supposed to go to with Tony. Uh, So uh, certainly you can kind of see the direction things are heading in there. Uh, And I'm trying to think if there's any other characters. Uh, Kangs, there's uh, Kevin and Fangs are dating. Uh, Probably a couple of other details. Keller's back. 
Sheriff Kell's back. We'll get to that in a second. But I think um, like that's the broad strokes of what you need to know, right? F- Fred Andrews um, died uh, oh, yes. over the course. Yeah. And that does weigh in here a bit with Archie and – Again, just more oh. absolute sadness for this episode to oh. uh, bring out in us. Did yeah. not. So let's jump into it because there's so much to talk about here. Uh, to the point of bringing everything together, it starts right at the beginning here. We get Jughead narrating over an aerial shot of Riverdale. I don't know if it's the exact same shot that opens up the river's edge, but it certainly feels like it, the pilot of the series. Uh, and he talks through all the darkness that has gone on over the past couple of seasons. We get little video effects teasing that we're not quite done with the voyeur auteur thing. But this was so evocative and set up exactly what they wanted to say with the beginning right there. And I think to, your, to what we were talking about earlier, having taking stock of the villains from all the seasons, which gets so much weight on the show, I feel like really showed that, oh, this is the culmination of four years of this show. It's not just like oh a my. season finale or in this case, an ep- a third episode of a new season. This is really a look back on like every all this stuff and how much it affects and has affected everyone yeah. in the town. And for I the mean, fact not that they, it matter. Oh, the God. fact they added Jelly Bean to the villain lineup is pretty wild, too. <laughs> Well, particularly how everybody treats Jelly Bean this episode, where everybody's like, oh, you scab. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Constantly. <laughs> there are no, no problems for Jelly Bean. She seems fine. Everybody's pretty chill with her. They're like, ah, oh, you terrorized the town for the year. Typical Riverdale behavior. All good, bro. And uh, then Ch- Charles and Chick are sort of not uh, really referenced much here. Um, uh, they're, they're just gone as the actual murderers uh, of this good. season. Well, not only not gone, but jumping ahead a little bit, there's this very emotional conversation that Alice and Betty have later on where Alice is like, I thought everybody was going to come back for Thanksgiving. And she lists everybody in the family who's like, yo, dude, (laughs) one of them is in jail for murdering several people for being a serial killer. One of them is a crazy person who I think is in an insane asylum or maybe on the run or something like that. Yeah. Uh, What are are you even talking about? Yeah, that list was never going to happen. I don't know what you're doing. Uh, I yeah. I want to say, though, that, like, this first shot of, like, ju- well, not the first shot, but, like, Jughead looking at the mass on the table, like, that was such a foreshadowing of, like, everybody's scattered, everybody's, like, all over the place. Like, after this episode, really thought about that beginning shot and how how much that said there, just, like, Jughead, like, shaking his head, being like, look at what's become of us. It was, uh, no, that's interesting. It was that's really a, that's crazy. a good catch. I like that, Pete. Uh, that's very cool. And we do start to wrap up the auteur voyeur mystery pretty quickly here at the beginning of the episode, which I liked. The, not only that it continued, but that we didn't spend too much time on it. But the big thing here is FP comes downstairs. He's talked to Jelly Bean and reveals, hey, I'm going to go back to Toledo. Uh, I am going to go back. Jelly Bean needs her mother and her father. Alice, relatively mature, is like, we're going to have a conversation about this, right, FP? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. no problem. I was a little bummed we never saw that conversation. Uh, but what do you think about FP's Maybe plan we'll... here and the way that he, we know now, is exiting the series? Yeah, I was. I thought that was like an awesome send-off for FP. You know, the classic getting on the bike, roll out, serpents, let's go. I thought that was like a fun, you know, he got that F-Palace last powerful kiss. That was really nice. Uh, I really liked that little kind of mini send-off for, for FP. I thought that was good. 
I will say, my, I have I thought Skeet Ulrich did a great job, and we'll get to the scene you were just talking about, I think, later on in the recap, uh, as well as Mage and Abnick, who was awesome in the episode, in the scant scenes that she had, but just from being a cheering mom to crying over FP to accepting him, all great. But I had, like, a couple of little quibbles that I wanted to throw out. Oh, um, really? Ooh. One of them is FP's plan to be like, hey, we got to go back to Gladys, when, if I remember correctly, Gladys left because she's like, you're going to have a more stable family life here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that seems weird. That feasibility is like it's going to fall apart pretty quickly. Well, he's leaving yeah. the show. How are you going to explain it, man? Like, what do you... Well, no, we know, sort of we pre- we predicted this a while back. I think um, we said that that's probably what FP was doing if the jelly bean theory proved true, and I think it it makes sense. He needs to. Sure. I think get her out than, of Riverdale, dude. <laughs> exactly. Like, rather than getting her to Gladys, yeah. it's like getting her out of Riverdale and finding yeah. some other uh, way to be than this murder town. Yeah. yeah. She's got to get out of the murder town and go live in Toledo with a biker gag. Yeah. Where it's safer. Yes. Safer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, so there's that. The other thing, which a lot of fans have brought up, I don't know if you guys remember this, but FP's letter. We never got the letter. And I understand why there wasn't room to do this in the episode. But if you think way back to season two, initially this was a deleted scene. We talked about this back on our deleted scene podcast. Oh, yeah. But FP in the musical episode, and I remember, it was very weird to Alice pushing her off. She invited him to the musical. He was like really not talking to her or giving her the time of day to the point that she got back together with Hal by the time the musical happened, which bad decision there. Uh, but FP wrote a letter for her. That scene got deleted where he talked about the letter, but we did see him bringing the letter to her at the musical, saw her with Hal, got sad and left. So we might still get that dude. Like she could open that letter later in the show. Seven like. years later. <laughs> so that's the beauty letter. of letters. Yeah, that, that's what yeah. letters are cool because they're written down. Yeah, maybe it's she not like an Insta story. Night. It's not an Insta story. I, mean, I think given the amount of real estate they had to give to Phallus in the episode, probably whatever FP said to the end and whatever she said back to him, that's the letter. Like, that's what you needed. But it's a little bummer because it's taken this outsized importance yeah. in the fan base that we didn't even get, like, him had to get to her and say, hey, read this later. I mean, do you think he, do you think he was like, hey, let me summarize a letter I didn't send you. It's the sort of like I I like you and I'm why does I'm, the, I see you. the yeah, show hey, doesn't I have went, to I went I went to the pharmacy all they had was a best grandpa card but you know I've been hanging out to it for a while so here you go the show doesn't you, have to justify a deleted scene it did once <laughs> yes it does no it doesn't <laughs> no it doesn't uh oh I see I, somebody stuff Alec back Alex back into that locker because. Uh, So moving on Then we get the wrap up of the voyeur mystery And it really uh, provides the other emotional Crux for the episode Uh, The boys get back in town FP and Jughead go to Archie Say you gotta open up the gym right now They grab Tom Keller, go to Hiram They're like hey Mayor Hiram You remember you're the mayor I think everybody forgot it but we're just gonna remind (laughs) everybody real quick You gotta reinstate Tom as sheriff And then they find all of Jelly Bean's compatriots are sleeping under the boxing ring, which is so sad. It was sad. And I was also like, Archie should have noticed that. <laughs> oh, 100% point. Archie should have How is that. Archie going to notice that? I mean, come on. That guy, like, uh, I, 
the guy's all over the place. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's I, I barely... 100% guarantee you, Archie looked under there and was like, hey, are th- is there anybody under here? And there was a pause. And then one of the kids was like, no. He's like, all right, then. <laughs> all right. And then there. All right. I, th- I thought they Check. were just really, really big mice with clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I did like the fact, I did like this idea, this theme uh, running through the darkness of the town that they've been playing for four seasons, that it ties into Betty's speech later, her talking about the next generation, how we got to make it cleaner. And I think, this is very much jumping ahead, but I think the idea here is that they were successful, the, at least for a little while, at least for seven years, in making sure that things calmed down and Riverdale could go back to being a sleepy town. Wait. Um, so I like that. You think that just quickly by being like, hey, kids, don't live under a boxing ring that made everything okay for seven I, years? No, you were just It's Riverdale. Are you insane? Betty also made a speech. It's them noticing the kids. Betty made a speech. That's salt. Oh yep. God. That's called good parenting. <laughs> oh, my God. No, uh, they were doing crazy shit in like underground raves. And that just does You don't just... Be like, oh, okay. We'll stop. A lot of the great filmmakers and talk yeah. about a, a viral marketing campaign. It's great. VHS yeah, tapes. Probably what they on. did was somebody went to that rave, played a weird videotape of Betty's speech, and everybody there was like, is what we're doing wrong? Let's stop. Yeah. Let's, yeah, stop. let's go back to a boring town. <laughs> right. Let's move uh, to so Greendale, the town, the town a couple towns over. Yeah, I hear it's always Halloween there. Uh, so Jughead and Betty snuggle. They talk a little bit about being how they're going to be haunted basically for the rest of their lives by everything that's happened. Uh, but it's still a sweet scene and nice to see them together before everything falls apart. Uh, and then we get, as mentioned earlier, uh, the scene that made me gasp out loud for the first Ugh, time of the episode. Yeah. It is actually a scene from uh, the season two premiere, I believe, where Fred is laying dying in the hospital on the brink of death after being shot by the Black Hood. Uh, And he has this nightmare of not getting to see Archie graduate. Uh, They cut off the scene before the line, that's because you're dead or something like that. But seeing him there and seeing them repurpose the scene was just a punch to the gut. I mean, I don't believe in a lot of ghosts i'm not like but when i saw that in the line he said i didn't think i'd live to see this day i was like how did they do this (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) i was so haunted in that moment i was like oh right this from from the earlier in the show but i was was like it it was breathtaking i couldn't it was it was a gasp of like what yeah yeah (laughs) truly Good on them for pulling out that seed and making it such an impactful emotional moment. I was moment. so blindsided by that because yeah. normally when we're going to get like a Fred Andrews, like people are talking about it. There's little, you know, I'm mo- I can get emotionally prepared, but be blindsided like that. Oh, yeah. Jesus. And that like, just kept snowballing and getting sadder and sadder. Oh. Yeah. But also, just in terms of the season, you know, if uh, just for simplification's sake, we could just call it part of season four, even though it is in season five. But this whole season has been about Fred. They've said it's in memoriam, in memorial to Luke Perry, to his memory. It's dedicated to Luke. And they made sure that it was in the absolute best, absolute emotional way from the first episode to the very last episode here. And that's a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And 
when after I saw this scene, this moment, like I was like, oh, they're swinging hard in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Like these are gut punches. This is the first of many gut punches. Yeah, and I, I also thought punch. like the fact that we sort of wrapped up all of the villain stuff and then moved into these big emotional moments. I was like, oh, it's so interesting to see this show without the murder stuff laid mm-hmm. on it. Because this is the first episode in so long where we didn't have like a dread uh, murder or investigation hanging over it. It really was just the characters you didn't being need themselves. It. Well, well it, even it, going back to the premiere, it. going back to In Memoriam, even that episode had some of the noir elements with Archie tracking down the guy who killed his dad. And to your point, this didn't have it, but the way that it played out through the shots and the music and everything, the thriller elements were uh, emotionally based. Like they yeah. still played them out in a very similar way, but the mystery was what is going to happen to these people in the future. And yeah. that's kind of incredible. But I think the, and the pace of the show was a little bit slower. It wasn't as jumpy. The scenes were a little quieter. It was like there's less yeah, happening that's... and just more sitting in with these people. But that's the thing, like, it seemed quieter, but it was still breakneck pace. It was like, you're the mayor. This is happening. You're, we're, we're done. This, I'm in the army. You're like, what the, what the, it's still that breakneck pace. But because it's like, like, it was an emotion. It was slowly like, oh, it was, it, yeah, it was, it was insane. I think it caused maybe some people on this podcast to feel emotions they haven't uh, fully felt in a long time. Yeah, dusted some off for sure. <laughs> so moving through it, uh, Archie and Mary chat. Uh, she has the robe out. It's a very cute, quick little scene, but uh, in retrospect, pretty ominous. Uh, then we cut over to Cheryl and we get like the nightmare with Fred. Everybody is flashing back through their history. I'm normally yeah. not a fan of cutting back to scenes uh, in the past. You know, as viewers, we're supposed to remember these things. But I thought this worked really well as a convention here throughout the episode. Yeah. I liked it quite a bit. Yeah. Big time. Uh, but. Uh, uh, but we see Cheryl putting on the lipstick. I thought there was a nice little acting thing that Madeline Petch did here that they hung on for a while. She flashes back to her tribute to Jason Blossom in the first episode, and it just kind of hangs on her, like, adjusting her lapel a little bit, which uh, it gives this nervousness from Cheryl that everything needs to be perfect and really says everything you need to know about what she does and the decisions she makes in this episode. Yeah, and to have it, it really highlights her brooch, sort of a symbol for her dedication to her family and the fact that where she ends up um, with her sort of taking over her family, maybe setting her on a path to become Penelope, hopefully not, but that feels like (laughs) maybe a direction. Um, It was very, uh, very foreboding. Uh, and then we get a similar scene with Hiram giving Veronica pearls. She flaxes his back to her saying he's the devil incarnate and immediately takes off the pearls. Yeah, she doesn't want to be daddy's little girl anymore. That's what she's moving beyond. Uh, and then we get that scene of Alex crying to Betty. Um, and then we get a big setup of Archie's arc and what's going on with Archie, which is that he sees a sign-up table for the army. Um which, uh, yeah, is like this dangling thing over his plot line the entire episode. I'm sure we'll get to talking about what we felt about where he ended up as we get towards the end. Uh, we get a fun little scene of Weatherby introducing a time capsule from 1945. Cheryl and Tony open it up. Also, great job across the episode of 
hiding Vanessa Morgan's <laughs> pregnant belly, mm. constantly having boxes yes. and magazines and yearbooks and things in front of her. Um, she just gave birth to a baby boy as well, they announced, which is very Yes, sweet. congrats. I mean, my wife um, hid uh, our pregnancy for the first mm-hmm. eight months, really did a good job. And all of a sudden, she wow. was like, here's the baby. Just magazines. <laughs> just magazines. <laughs> just magazines. Wow. I, thought, I was like, you read? That's a big magazine. Magazines My wife got did the bigger. opposite thing. She said, we're having a baby, and then it turned out to be a stack of magazines. Oh. oh man. Yeah. Well, easy to take care of. Congrats. Uh, so there's a bunch of things here, and I don't know about you guys, but I definitely plumbed through for Easter eggs and didn't really find a ton. Uh, but you had the Riverdale Register for June 12th, 1945, yeah. a copy of the Blue and Gold, a Pops menu from when hamburgers were only 15 cents, which I'm sure was something from when Archie comics first came out. Uh, the only two that I found were they pull out a baseball card from Ambrose from the rocket pips. Uh, that's actually Ambrose pips from the, the Archie comic, little Ambrose. Uh, mm. that was the reference there. Uh, and then Cheryl is totally grossed out by a red circle comics. I don't think this is a real cover. I think this is something they created for the show, but yes, red circle of comics, of course, are the superhero line from back in the day from Archie. I also like the thing of her, like holding a comic and being like, ill, you know, like in a comic book show. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was very fun. Yes. And this whole scene I thought was straight out of the comic book, the original mm-hmm. Archie comics. Like it felt that in, in setting up Archie's arc of joining the army and all that, feels very i think there was a series in the last couple of years uh, that was set in in world war ii where archie goes to war and this was yeah archie so, 1941 it was by mark wade yeah. and i'm forgetting the artist but it's great yeah great everybody series. should read it and it felt like some of the imagery was pulled right out of that mm-hmm. for this uh and then the other plot point that ties into archie is she pulls out this picture of four army guys from 1945 uh which plays <sighs> in much later on oh man uh, then we get a fun sequence where everybody looks at the yearbook. Betty was able to make it, even though Mr. Honey shut it down. Favorite line uh, is Kevin calling up, oh, hey, we put in pictures of all the musicals, despite the fact that he gets cut, cut off. Cut off. Yeah. So funny. <laughs> Uh, and uh, Jughead and Archie get called to the principal. Jughead gets oh, that to graduate. Was a, that was a fun moment where it was like uh, Jughead and Archie to the principal's office. You know, that was... It was yeah. kind of a cool moment when they were all kind of looking around. I thought that was a nice. Moment. Kind of awful that they waited until the last day of school to tell them. Classic. Yeah. 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 But um, I, uh, we find out bad news for Archie from Mr. Weatherby. And this scene, yeah. I liked how they played Mr. Weatherby just because we had evil principles so much that he yeah. was actually feeling it for Archie and explaining, I'm sorry, you're not going to summer school. You're going to have to repeat senior year. Oof. Very yeah. sad. Very sad. Super scene. sad. I, yeah. He was like, and talking about you've had a tough year, the bear. I really wanted him to be like, <laughs> you'll have to get your diploma from the bear. And then Ar- Archie's like, can I walk? He's like, no, the bear's walking in your place. We're dying the bear's head for red, and he's going to walk. If you beat the bear, uh, you get a diploma. Otherwise, the Mm -hmm. bear gets your diploma. Uh, Another little thing that I wanted to call out that this episode was just full of little moments where they hung on acting choices, where they just had a shot of Archie sitting outside, bumping his knee, picking his nails. And uh, to your point, Justin, that they spent the time to throw that in there and get his emotional state through physicality, I thought was great. Me too. I also yeah. thought it was funny. Weatherby was like, "So yeah, you can't really do any of the school stuff, but would you mind just playing a song for us? We have yeah. we want <laughs> we want a song from you," which I thought was. Uh, but then getting back to the emotional side, Archie lying to Jughead about going to summer school was such an Archie thing to do and such a sad thing to do. Yeah. We're bombarded mm. with sad things, large and small, 
throughout this whole episode. Mm, At yeah. least we get one fun scene here, even though it is, to your point, interrupted by a sad thing at the end. Uh, but we get everybody in the last class watching the clock tick away as the last school bell happens. Uh, Sweet Pea is in the background about to break a pencil, which yeah. is very funny. <laughs> um, and then uh, the bell rings and everybody kisses except for Archie and Veronica, who have a quick moment where they look at each other and they're like, uh, what are we supposed to do here until Reggie interrupts it? Uh, and then Archie goes over. He sees the pick of the army guys. He's still kind of mulling things over. Uh, I believe Veronica sees him looking at it and immediately, to her credit, is like, I know what's up here. What's yeah. up, Pete? I just wanted to say the uh, Kevin and Fangs kiss was really nice. That was really yes, nice. Yes, very nice. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention, I interviewed for the day job, uh, Drew Ray Tanner. Uh, here we I'm go. not flexing. God, I'm not flexing. Geez. Can you just this say friend, the important part friend and flex. not fucking, you know what I mean? Hold Jeez. on, hold on. Uh, but the thing that I thought was kind of nice, which I didn't really know, is he said it was really because of the fans that Kang's happened, that at least from yeah. his perspective... Uh, the writing staff, like the fans picked up on, hey, is there something here? And the writing staff was like, oh, maybe there is. And then they started playing it that way. And then the fans picked up at it more. And it almost seemed like they had this feedback loop where eventually they're like, all right, we'll make it canon. We'll we'll go ahead with it, which I thought was cute. Yeah. yeah and nice. Definitely. Very cute. Uh, the other little bit, just while I'm thinking of it, uh, that I thought was interesting for the interview, uh, with the graduation scenes, the, and I think they put out pictures of this so people know this, but in case not, uh, the way that they packed the crowd <laughs> was mostly with mannequins because of COVID. Like, yeah. they couldn't have 200 people in the sure. uh, auditorium, so it's mostly fake people. I don't think you can see it on camera, really, but it's funny to know that. That's all. It's very <laughs> a lot. A lot of those characters are going to come back after the time jump. The mannequins oh, are yeah. going to the grow mannequins. up. Tom. Yeah, the mannequins, yeah. 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 Um, they have different yes. jobs. Um, really, uh, Mannequin Archie is going to be really doing dumb stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. this show, I got to say, is on the move. Oh, boy. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> well, oh, is that uh, everyone who got that reference cheering outside of my Because <laughs> uh, I can't quite hear, I can't hear the voices. Uh, so then on the Jellybean is totally fine. Beat Jellybean and Jughead are, I think, playing Scrabble or some game or something like that. Everything's cool. No problems here. Uh, Betty is trying to figure out her speech. Uh, and then we get a scene. Veronica bringing the stuff back to Archie. Oh. And I know I know people have had problems with Veronica being like, I still love Archie after this. But this felt so true and so real yes. to me. Her saying, please, just for one night, can we be together? And well, him saying, I want nothing more. Beautiful. The, uh, the I just think it was very mature of Veronica to be like, you know what? This is over. But looking back at it, it would probably have been nice if we just kind of got to enjoy each other a little bit more before this is all over. So I like... I grew, I understand the fans being like, no, man, fuck that. It's, it, you know, but uh, the maturity on Veronica's part to be like, it's Archie. What am I going to do? I love this fucking guy. So well, and I think it's very true to like, I've been in Veronica's position before where I'm like, ugh, I did not like the way you that dated I was an Archie once. Yeah, I dated Archie. <laughs> what? Uh, I, just yeah. to make 100% sure, was it a bear with red hair or was it? <laughs> oh, shit. Now that looking back now, yes, I think it was. Because you were very. doing a lot of camping and you were in Alaska. I mean, there's definitely a high bear population. Yeah. Honestly, once I started dating the bear, I did a lot more camping, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was going to say, like, when you're in that situation, like, no matter what they did to you, uh, to a point, obviously, you're, you're still like, oh, I have this, this love is still there. Like, I want to act on it. 
And the fact that they did, I think, is like it felt very true to me. It felt very real. I mean, this whole episode feels like a breakup happened and everyone still has to see each other. Um, So, like, I think that was a feeling that just pervaded the whole town, the whole episode. Well, and it's the emotions that they're feeling is this is the last time we're going to get to do these things. So if you are super sad to be try to be happy for one night. Makes a lot of sense. Well, and I actually heard, I think Veronica had the line, like, I think next episode we're going to, it's going to be seven years in the future, so we should do this now. (laughs) (laughs) Because as you know, everyone, all the characters on Riverdale, all the characters on Riverdale also watch the television show Riverdale. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And they're in bed, as we mentioned earlier, Veronica immediately gleams onto the fact that Archie's going to sign up for the army and is like, do not join the army, you idiot. What are you doing? And he's like, no, no problem. And that's the point where Veronica would be like, should have been like, I know you're going to do it anyway (laughs) because we've been doing this for three years. Come on. But she did not. Uh, We get a brief scene of FP packing up. Jughead wants to go with them to Toledo. FP says, no way. Uh, Don't do that. You're the first uh, man to go to uh, Jones man to go to college. But Jughead looks really hurt in this moment. Right. That was a nice way of playing it. I mean, he really has come a long way with his father. And he really, you know, and Jellybean pointed out, like, this family is super important and you're blowing it by not being around. And I think there's a little guilt there. But the way FP shuts it down, like, no way, like, you're the future, like, we have a lot of high hope and confidence, so you're going to college, that's way more important. And, like, I really, just the way FP said that in such a kind of FP way, I thought it was a really cool, great moment. Yeah, I agree. Uh, then we jump over to the Shoney storyline. Uh, Tony is taking her Nana on the tour. I think it was uh, Fangs and Sweet Pea are in the background as like escorts, which I thought was a funny little detail. Yeah. Um, but uh, she shows off the locker and very pointedly points out Cheryl, my girlfriend. And Nana tells her she's proud of her. You know, she clearly, yeah. as we find out later, uh, has come around to the idea that she's yeah. Cheryl. Uh, if they both went to Highsmith, was going to send them uh, care, care packages. packages and everything. Yeah. Um, let, let's talk about this because this yeah. sort of runs on its own. Oh, separate I am track. so glad we're stopping to talk about this. When you're in college, those care packages are everything, man. I mean, you rely on those care packages. <laughs> like to turn down that care package option is really just not smart. Yeah. I'll tell yeah. you what, uh, one time when I was at a sleepaway summer camp, my grandmother sent me salami regular mail. That was not great. <laughs> oh, regular mail salami. Oh. Yeah, oh, that's some, like that's basically a big salami. envelope full who's of salami. Grandma. That was no good. Who, who's watching grandma there? Yeah. <laughs> that makes good. me sad. <laughs> Somebody yeah. should have sent something to grandma. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this envelope is made of cheese, Grandma Zalvin. You can't send Did that. Did you dream that happened? <laughs> nope, that was a real thing that happened. And I got that salami, and I was like, I can't eat the salami. Thank you, Grandma. <laughs> well, I'm People... glad you were smart enough to realize that. I would have eaten it. <laughs> Did the box of mayonnaise ever arrive? Or is that... <laughs> No, it was packed in mayonnaise. It was a Loose. cheese envelope with salami packed in mayonnaise. <laughs> oh, that's so gross. <laughs> I mean... Uh... 
tasty. I love uh, mail carrier so, getting their Shoney, hands on I think we can talk through this because, again, it kind of goes on its own shepherd's track. Uh, but uh, Cheryl hears what Tony is saying, pauses. She's smiling, but she re- hears what she's saying and turns away. Um, a little later on, we get this great scene after they've graduated uh, where Cheryl is in the parking lot. Penelope emerges from the bushes. Oh, my God. It's great. What every, a great Every episode. We need this to happen every episode. Penelope comes out of a different thing every and single time. The, That's what I want. The way she says nightmare child is just... So funny. Oh, that made so me laugh great. out loud. Yeah. Just the sweet, oh, nightmare, nightmare child. child. What, yeah. what do you yeah. mean? Uh, and uh, because as Cheryl says, maybe she's not going to college. And then we get that scene... Uh, I think this is after the time capsule, so there's a little bit more with them I think we can touch on. But um, Cheryl and Tony are sitting down, and Cheryl tells Tony she's not going to Highsmith, but Tony has to go because she's going to flourish there. Um, Cheryl wants to stay, not just wants to stay, but feels she has to stay to revamp the Blossom name. Uh, And Tony says, but I'm making progress with Nana. Everything's going to work out. Um, And Cheryl says, no, I have to do this. Tony says, please don't say the words. And Cheryl says, I never shall. And they're both just sobbing at this point. Tough. Such a punch to the gut. I just want to say like a couple of things right off, because I know I really went in on the Shoney storyline two episodes back at this point. Um, It's time to eat eat your old salami on the Shoney story, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a couple of things I think I say say about this, because before the episode aired, even uh, fans were trying to trend or actually trending in some quarters. uh, Hashtag Shoney deserves better because they're pretty upset about the potential treatment that a lot of real uh, run of the space of the episode is spent on the hetero couples was not necessarily spent on either of the major LGBTQ plus couples. If you include Kang's as well, Uh, they didn't even get a goodbye kiss here. I don't think necessarily. Um, So there was a lot of frustration there uh, and I understand that and I hear that, but I do think This was such a fantastic scene in the way they ended here. My big takeaway, even though I out loud when it started and when I saw where it going, went, no, Cheryl, what are you doing? Uh, My takeaway here, and I don't know if you guys have the same thing, is Cheryl is basically saying, I need to be good enough for you, Tony. I need to work myself to the place where I am the hero that deserves you and that you deserve me. And that, yes... Essentially, they're broken up, but that's what Cheryl's story is going forward, is trying to get her to a place where she feels like she is an equal weight member of the couple versus Uh, it being Tony just saying babe and rolling her eyes and all of those things. And I think that if that's something they follow up, that is an incredible storyline going forward. Yeah, I mean, that's not clear. It's, you know, Cheryl has her own thing about like, you know, okay, I'm in charge of the family now and I've got to do these things. So she is thinking about herself, but I do think that they both left it in a good place that maybe it could be brought back to. And I think that like Cheryl was going, is going through a lot and maybe was hearing what Tony was saying, but not really feeling it because she feels horrible about, you know, her name and the family's legacy. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with Pete. Like this definitely like I think the door to that relationship is open. But this episode, the journey felt like it was about Cheryl. Um, mm-hmm. I think there what Tony said to her about her family hating her family. I think that mm-hmm. clicked that switched something in her head where she was like, 
I have to fix my family, not just for this relationship, but for my life. And yes, that involved setting into motion a family-wide murder, <laughs> which is not always the best solution. Um, but I, I do think, think Tony's going to be better off without, you know, Cheryl murdering, uh, you know, murders around her. Well, but I do I, think this is this is about Cheryl um, trying to take ownership of all of the bad things and and like get them in a better place. So like I buy this. I I don't know if they will get back together. I think we'll see them again. I I, I guess I say I don't know if they'll be together after the time dash. But I think they are going to move closer toward a central relationship in this show because the fans are frustrated because Shoney's not a central relationship, but it's just not. It hasn't. This the show stories and the plots of the show are built around uh, the f- core four, and like it's no slight to say that Shoney isn't in that core four. Mm-hmm. It's just they just don't get as much screen time. And I, I do think that they take time and care to really make this relationship interesting. And I think this episode is about Cheryl in that way. And I do, uh, Justin, I do hope that the show does that, that this kind of propels their relationship yeah. a little bit more into the center of focus moving forward. That would be amazing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we know just from the synopses of the next two episodes, Tony is definitely taking center stage. Um, that's something that they pushed for really hard. So I'm excited to see that. Uh, we don't know a lot about what's going on with Cheryl. I think Madeline Petch in a teaser used the word recluse to describe herself. Uh, so I don't- Pen- Penelope, she's on the Penelope track. She's going to be living in the walls. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, But I'm excited to see that. Like if she tried and then seven years later has kind of failed – that gives her a place to go. Like if we cut back at her seven years later, and she's like, did it. Blossom James better come back, Tony. That's not the journey we want to see. The journey that we want to see at this point is her winning Tony back uh, from the lowest place possible and picking herself back up again. And I'm, I'm excited to watch that. I think that's going to be great. And to the fans, probably very romantic in the way that they want to see. I think it's going to be Tony saving. Cheryl's going to have gone full Mm. gray gardens, I think. And, uh, it will be up to Tony to come back and and pull her out. No, I Uh, think it's going to be, uh, uh, Cheryl going full, like kind of like, uh, grimy, uh, you know, like she becomes that, uh, you know, like street, uh, you know, like she's like (laughs) fighting crime in her outfit and like using bows and Uh, arrows. And then uh, Tony goes and gets her and saves her from that madness. From being a hero? From being, you know, a superhero. Of, trying to be a vigilante and like, oh, you know. Okay. How many vigilantes are running around a suburb like Riverdale? I mean, at this point? Cheryl <laughs> is unbelievable with the bow. So, like, you tell me. She also has a, a family history of living in walls. So, how do you balance those two skills? Great point. A lot of crime in walls these days. All right. So <laughs> then we go over to graduation. Everybody is taking pics. It's Another all very crimes. sad scene as Archie watches everybody with their dads and he oh. does not have one. Stop. Um, Stop. No, it's Stop. awful. Why? It's so sad. And he turns to Mary and Mary says, of course, you know, he's think- he'd be thinking about you. He wanted to be here. Uh, and then she, um, she says, like, he's here. He's watching. Yeah. Like, that was awesome. What a yes. great thing for her to say to Archie. Beautiful. Uh, And then we get Betty's valedictorian speech, uh, basically about how awful their years there have been, um, and ends with stay young as long as you can. Again, FP is like, oh, jelly bean, you scamp. (laughs) Stay young. Stay always fresh. And she's like, okay, sorry I terrorized the town again. Um, But Uh, what were you guys? It was good. Uh, What were your guys' valedictorian speeches like? I don't remember. 
Yeah, I don't fucking remember. Uh, I, I still did, so I mean, I mean, when you gave them. Uh, I, right. It felt like Betty kind of foamed it in a little bit because, like, she was, I don't know, you know, a lot of stuff going down. But uh, it. Uh, the main like, thing is when I gave my valedictorian up? speech, I talked a lot about how you should always remember to use sunscreen. That was, like, sort of the thing that I kind of mm. hooked it on a little bit, and then I riffed off from there. Oh, cool. Yeah, you guys, you Wait. did a full, um, like, sort of uh, hip-hop poem, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Me and Kurt Vonnegut reportedly, though probably not actually. <laughs> not actually. No, I Wait, think did that you seriously a... give the speech? No, I didn't give the speech. Oh, okay. um, I did. I did. That's why I ham fistedly oh, brought this well, up. Well, <laughs> well. What was your speech about, Mr. Smarty Pants? Uh, no, just uh, I made did a joke really? and then I did, yeah. I was a valedictorian. Talk about how I was on the JV soccer team and we never won a game. Um, and then I read a, a song that was maybe too sad to read. <laughs> <laughs> you went for it, though. Uh, speaking it. of sad songs, Archie's choice is Good Riddance, Time of Your Life yeah. by Green Day. Uh, Woof. The, great. Uh, which he sings uh, as everybody walks. Everyone is very adorable, getting their gowns and diplomas up until, again, another gut punch with Archie. He opens <sighs> up his door. Why would you look, Archie? Why? And it's looking? empty. <laughs> Why would you look? Oh. And I'll tell you what, and I, this is something that they actually do. They let people walk, but there's no diploma in there. It's yeah. fucked up. It's like, why? It's a fake. It's a whole yeah. thing. Like, no, I don't know. It's nice that you get to hang out with everybody and walk. Like, I mean, I, yeah, I, but it, I think it's it's nice to be with them one last time. You know, you were there at graduation. I think that's important. It's I think, you know, who cares if you got a piece of paper or not? Yeah, yeah. except you have the carrier that the papers in and it's just empty. And then worst of all, after that he gets haunted by four ghosts as a bunch of ghost yeah. soldiers show up to clap for him. He's not quite sure he can see them because there's a lot of flashing lights, but I think we can accept the fact that a bunch of ghosts went to graduation. Well, yeah. But it's there's not a lot to do, I imagine. And there's a lot of ghosts in Riverdale. I I did want to uh, talk about this. Like the Archie kind of like army thing is very interesting, uh, I thought because it's like it keeps happening, and I feel like they do that in a creative way. Something that I wasn't ready for when I graduated. When you turn 18, you are hounded by the Army, the Navy. They call you. They send you mail. They they really try to recruit you. And I felt like this was a very interesting way to kind of, like, tackle that. And I think that, like, sometimes if you're not sure what to do after, you know, graduation, they can kind of, like, take advantage of that and maybe get you to do some. You know, you may or may not want to do some people do. it. Hey, you know what I mean? But I'm just saying that, like, sometimes they get people by pressuring and yeah. by just kind of like and I felt like this was a creative way to keep prodding Archie to be like, do this, join us, come on. And I, th- I think, Pete, they uh, anyone who reads as many Punisher comics as you did, I think they really go after. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, a lot of bow ties, a surprising number of bow ties at the Riverdale graduation. Yes. Also, Cheryl, of course, got her custom gown because, of oh, course, she did. Cool, Very yeah. nice. Uh, and then let's go over to the FP goodbye scene. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but first he says goodbye to Jughead. Uh, then Alice says goodbye to FP. Uh say this is the end of the story uh, and he says God I hope not no. and she cuts him off and says I know and I love you for it um, so wow. it's not the end of their story uh, but then he rides off into the distance with the serpents as an escort a fitting 
end for now for FBI on yeah. the show. And Jelly got Bean this, rocking the uh, the crown helmet. The crown got the serpent sidecar. Yeah, shouted. Yeah. Yep. Um, so there you go. They all uh, ride off, and then Archie signs up for the army, as we were hinting at earlier, because of course he does. Uh, we get a quick scene uh, that also very sweet of Veronica going to talk to Pop to get a menu for their time capsule that they're putting together, um, and she gives Pops to him, uh, which is very nice. Uh, I was very touched by that. I was surprised was, to find out. Uh, do you think he? Do you think he was speech. like? Uh, do you think he, Pops was oh, like? Does that include the underground speakeasy or <laughs> any of the other? weird businesses you've got buried around this town. Yeah, yeah. Like, is there nope, certain rooms I shouldn't go into, or is it all mine? Or Yeah, there's a whole bookstore three levels down that <laughs> is not his. Yeah. It's yeah. just not his. Uh, but I like Veronica's speech, again, in, in terms of like calling back things and bringing her story full circle, her referencing until she walked oh, into Pop, she yeah. didn't feel like she was home. Um, yes. Very nice, very sweet. Uh, and then we get the time capsule scene. Everybody decides to bury time capsule beneath the football field. Um, we uh, get everybody throwing in this stuff that meant something to them. Uh, the that stuff is that hairs down. Out. Yeah, uh, the stuff that jumped out to me. Kevin uh, calling out Josie, throwing in some pussycat ears and saying, I wish she could have been yeah. here with us. We yeah, see a very nice. meta moment about Ashley Murray as well. Uh, Cheryl giving up her HBIC shirt, being like, this is definitely unique and you can't buy this in any store, so I'm going to put this in the time capsule. Uh, but more importantly, Jughead gives up his beanie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. That that hit me hard, too. My prediction on that, when we flash forward, he will have dug up the beanie and pulled it. He's wearing it again. I don't know. I think he's done with the beanie at this point. Like, yeah. that's... Uh, he might put it on at some point again. It weirds me out to see Jughead in so much of the episode without his hat for it just to be like Cole Sprouse hanging out there. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think you've got to get back to that iconic look at some point, but I do wonder. That's what I'm saying. If I do wonder though, if there's a meta thing with Cole Sprouse being like, I please stop making me wear this hat all the time. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, totally fair. Yep. Uh, Uh, the, the let's meet back here in one year a moment, mm-hmm. I was like, again, just dread. I was like, this is not yeah. a good sign. This is only a, well, a death sentence for these people meeting back up in one year. Archie has to stop making vows. That's the main takeaway yeah. of this episode. Last time he did it, they all almost died and all thought they killed Jughead for a little while. This time, they never talk again for seven years. It's terrible. Um but, uh, yeah, very cute scene of the four of them just hanging out and having beers on the football field. Uh, and then he admits he's joining the army. Veronica flips out. Yeah. Uh, we get a very brief. Uh, I'm sure we could probably get into the Barchi of it all in a second. I don't want to, like, throw matches too hard. Uh, but I did feel this was like a very Betty callback line of her saying, well, if that's what you feel is the right thing, Arch. That felt very, like, first season reaction from Betty to me, and I Mm -hmm. felt that was put in there very purposely. Uh, But then Veronica mentions there's a war going on. Who, where's the war? What's going on? (laughs) Well, I mean, we are technically at war as a nation currently, and I I do think that's what she was, she meant. She's like, there are, you will go to to a open, a dangerous area um, when you join the army. And it's also like something like this isn't just a thing where you go and get off of college and you get in better shape. Like this is real shit is kind of her point. Mm -hmm. The stakes, the stakes are high. And I think that's a big thing that that Veronica did for Archie is like, hey, 
Here's what you actually just did, because you don't yeah. seem to understand it, because he acts uh, with his heart uh, all the time. Um, I do, you know, I have problems with the army just in general, but I do like the idea of Archie making the decision to let the decisions be take out of his hands. Because the thing that he has dealt with for the past four seasons is having too many choices. Should he do music? Should he be a vigilante? Should he run a gym? Should he do these other things? Classic teen choices. Classic yeah. teen choices. But him going to the army and being like, tell me what to do. Take these choices away from me. Give me some order in my life. Uh, makes a lot of logical sense. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean... He need, he's been affected so much. Like I think Weatherby had it right when he was like, "You've had a tough year. There's no one's blaming you for what the choices that you're making." And I think it makes sense. All of the kids in this episode have real damage have has been done to them, except oddly Betty in this episode. This is sort of a different topic, but like Betty feels like she is like very normal, very much like herself from before. There's no real noticeable trauma, or at least it's not emphasized here. She seems like she's like just going about her business. Did you guys think that? Well, I mean, to that point, I mean, let's jump into the next no, scene. No, let's, I mean, that's, how can you, there's fires everywhere. Betty's been through so much and you're going to be like, oh, Betty's got it made in the shade. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I think it's odd in a in an episode and a season where so much of what these characters have gone through is is pointed at as traumatic. And Betty doesn't seem like she's affected by it. And it's interesting because she has like the dark Betty thing going on. And like we don't know what how it's affecting her. It feels very it's oddly I, think, I mean I disagree I, because okay. of what happens and she just kind of kind of like shuts down a little bit. I mean, where we see them later is very much like her kind of muting herself and kind of like downplaying things instead of, you know, this might do so. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, Pete. I think it all kind of plays in there. And Lily Reinhardt gives a fantastic performance of this episode. But to the point you're making, Justin, I do think this episode is about all the characters, but it's very much more about Jughead and Archie. Not yeah. necessarily the relationship, but Archie's path, as we talk about later, as they talk about later in the episode, him being the glue of the group and the thing that holds it together. But really, the final note that we're left on, without jumping too far ahead, is this is Jughead's story. Like, that's what we're telling. It's from his perspective. It is about him. That's really what book one of Riverdale was. Maybe big book two as well. Uh, but book one, at least, is the book of Jughead. Um, so let's get into it. Let's pull off the bad date here. We go over to Betty and Jughead. They talk. Jughead's like, hey, have you noticed anything weird with Archie and Veronica? Betty yeah. pauses, says, I think I know what's going on. Oh, my God. At which point Jughead immediately says, oh. no. So quietly. And I was like, no. Uh. It felt like being in a slow motion car crash. The yeah, it was. I was just like, no. But you've got to say it. You've got to come clean. But no. Cole Sprouse's, the way that he played this, I thought was so good. Like, both that tiny no, and then after he tells her and she sits down on the bed to kiss him, and he's like, I want to kiss her, but this look of just, like, sort of white-faced Dead inside, yeah. Yeah, just like, yeah. and it's such a small, it's almost like a micro-reaction. But the way he does it, and then he kisses her, and they have sex... But that one little moment, I was just like, oh, that's so real. That's so true. Just like, 
I'm horrified, but I'm still going to, yeah. very much like Veronica, I'm still going to go through this because it's too important and I, I'm too in shock to know how to react right now. Yeah. And then we get it the next morning where they're just cold to each other. Yeah. Now, they, this is the first time they've been cold to each other. Justin's constantly been like, oh, they're cold. They should, they're washed up. Uh, uh, and just <laughs> saying horrible things about two people who clearly love each other. And then uh, my this voice is, the is first... much deeper than that. My voice is much deeper than that. Uh, all right. Well, so okay. <laughs> but the next no, morning, so though, I, yeah. I'm not I, you act like I'm rooting for this. I'm not. I've just been trying to watch the tea leaves, and I do think that this is how they react You've to You've been pulling changes. for this. I'm pulling for a relationship to start between one of these characters, Betty, and another character that shall not be named, um, <laughs> the bear, uh, the red-haired bear. No, but what I'm saying is, like, the way they react to things is by sort of siloing themselves from each other, and when they're in a case, they they aren't as emotional with each other, and I think we get uh, the biggest example of that where – this news comes out and they're just like, hey, we're going through the motions. We're busy, but we're not feeling the emotions. No, I think that it's just one of those things where like they're both just kind of shut down because maybe they don't want to talk or deal with it. So they're kind of, you know, walking zombie versions of themselves. And like I thought that was like such a interesting way to kind of react to that of like we're done, but we don't want to admit it to each other because we still mm-hmm. love each other, but it's not the same and it's weird. And, you know, we got to unpack it, but we're not going to. I, I w- it was so heartbreaking. And the fact that they sat in it was just like that much worse and not uh, talking and dealing with it. I, I It was just so sad. This whole fucking app was so fucking sad. <laughs> it is very sad. Uh, so, yeah, as mentioned Betty says, I love you. He pauses and then very casually says it back and leaves because he's got to take Archie to the bus stop. Um, We get to see Vegas. Archie says goodbye to Vegas and Mary and also his house leaves with Jughead. Uh, And then we get another very sad but very necessary scene of Betty going over to apologize to Veronica and Veronica saying, it doesn't matter. I just need you to be here right now um, with me. Uh, Yeah, that was really awesome. Was it was really, great. We yeah. haven't really seen them be friends a whole lot because there's so much going on. So it's nice to see that reminder of that. Uh, we go over to Jughead and Archie on the bench. Archie wants to confess, but Jughead says it's okay. He knows they didn't do it specifically to hurt them. They'll always be okay. Um, I do want to little, put a little caveat here that I've been thinking about a little bit, and I don't think it's necessary, and I don't think anybody should mention it. But both Betty and Archie are like, hey, we kissed once. It was a mistake. It wasn't a big deal. And neither of them are like, hey, we kissed once and then we met at the sex bunker a couple of times to lie next to each other and hold hands. And also Archie wrote a romantic song for me. But that's it. It was just over the course of several days, an intense emotional affair. But don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. We'll never this will never come up or fester for seven years and then be a big deal soon in about one week's time. Stop gloating, you piece of shit. <laughs> Not gloating. <laughs> Come I'm on, gloating, man. But Give I us will a say, time to mourn. I will say I do think they will be together after the time jump. So let's just finish up this. You're a fucking uh, piece of shit. Them. See, okay. you couldn't help yourself. Can't you just fucking be nice? It's not nice. What are you talking about? Uh, but a, a good scene, even though it's distracting, the Jughead doesn't have his beanie uh, between Jughead and Archie. It's distracting. It's weird. It's weird to see his hair flopping everywhere. Oh I disagree with Cheryl. Cheryl was wrong. 
He should have kept Alex hates Jughead's hair. Now that's yeah. a controversy. Yeah, Pete, why don't you aren't you mad about that? Fucking Alex hater. hates his hair. <laughs> Not like me, who has great flowing locks. Uh, <laughs> over, <laughs> uh, Veronica and Betty, they want to make things right. Uh, Veronica uh, crying basically is like all she wants to do uh, is hug him one last time. Yeah, Veronica, like, the last uh, part of the episode at the bus stop, we could go. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. and Betty does how to get there, so of course they grab the jalopy. Uh, but Veronica, uh, yeah, in particular, the in the last part of this episode, just destroyed me several times. Uh, yes. They pull up in the jalopy, they chase after Archie, who's looking at a pic of Fred. Uh, he flashes oh. back on his entire history oh. in Riverdale, all the good moments. And the jalopy pulls up, they wave, she yells, I love you, Archie. He yells, I love you, Roddy, back. He goes over to the bus driver. Is like, hey, that's my girl and my friends. The bus driver's like, no problem. We don't have a time schedule or anything. Yeah, it's not yeah. like we're the army. This is cool. <laughs> and all the other guys on the bus are like, can I stop by? Some wait, friends? wait, can I have friends <laughs> drive by? Like, that could happen. It really sets a precedent for when you're in the army that yeah. you can call your friends. Super and just be like, Hey, hey, uh, I got, hey Lieutenant, I got to go fuck off with my friends for a little bit. <laughs> They're like, no problem. It's all like, good. Sure, it's sure the army. Problem. We're casual. Super casual. <laughs> the army. Uh, so Veronica hugs uh, Archie, then Jughead hugs him, and then Betty hugs him, uh, and Archie walks, and another fantastic acting thing that I'm so glad they hung on, but Archie looks back at them, and without saying anything, you could tell Veronica thinks for a moment that maybe he's not going to yes. leave, yeah. and then he gets on the bus anyway, and just my stomach dropped out. A hundred percent, because like, and again, I don't want to get into predicting too much um, here, but like... It it does feel like this is the conclusion of the Veronica Archie relationship. Like this is such a big moment, and I think that is you it's going to be hard that. to go back. Don't I know don't that. know that, but that's what I'm predicting. Like they, we get these just the imagery here is like straight out of a, a postcard from like the the 1950s. Like yeah. it's so well done, and the the goodbyes, the Betty moment with Betty saying about Archie, I thought was so interesting, so weird. Like he gets big moments with Veronica and Jughead, and with Betty, it's like. Check you later. Like it felt yeah. so underplayed in a way that makes me think they're going to, that is where the the relationship is going to really pop off going forward. Well, you, like you said, don't get into predictions or start putting stuff onto things that aren't fucking clearly there. Well, hold little, on. I mean, just to talk about it a little bit, obviously we don't know what went behind the scenes with the script, but I do get a sense that there were probably some things that would have been different if this was actually the season four finale. And to your point, I agree. The Betty Archie stuff, just on a friend level, I like the fact that they actually talked in this episode. I like the fact that there was a goodbye hug, that they didn't ignore it completely. But given that the show really started with Betty and Archie across uh, the yard from each other, Betty crushing on Archie, them not knowing how they feel about each other, it felt like there was not enough of that. I bet there would have been more of that if it had actually ended the season versus now we are in the middle of season five. Oh, sorry. Your what if didn't happen then maybe that could see what happens. But Uh, I think, I think it didn't happen because it's, it's going to be, it leaves space for the story to go in that direction. If that makes sense. Sure. And, uh, and Pete, Pete, I you agree. should know that whenever anyone says, I don't want to make any predictions, that's immediately followed with several predictions. <laughs> okay, well, just I, point I of order. Really, that's a little, that's little podcast uh, business. That's just, uh, yeah, that's no a, I wish you would pod. stop doing that. 100%. 
and uh, then we got a scene to the point I was making earlier that almost plays out like a thriller with Archie running to the back of the bus, putting his hand on it, then watching it as he go. Veronica centered, trying to hold her feelings in, just gut wrenching and kind of terrifying to watch in a certain way, like he's being yanked away from them really beautifully shot across the board Uh, and then we get our final last little bits Uh, Cheryl and Nana return to Thornhill uh, the house that she burnt down they're going to try to rebuild the Blossom name it was funny how she said that too it was really funny and then we find that everybody slowly fell apart which See, is a very summer after senior year thing to happen, yeah. but still sad to watch. Uh, Veronica heads to the Hamptons to hang out with Andy Cohen and her Bob, who's now a real housewife of New York. Classic. Weird. Um, and then we get the sequence of Bughead just apart, oh. sitting. Uh, they're sleeping, facing away from each other. They're quiet on the couch. And I just want to mention something here. Be careful. I know- I know it's a TV convention, but I think we need to normalize people sleeping in couples facing opposite each other. No. I'm just saying. Yeah, if you do that once, once you're getting a divorce. You do I that used once, to it's think over. that in relationships because of TV and movies, but frankly, I don't want to spend all night draped over somebody. It's uncomfortable. What are you talking about? At a certain point, a certain point come on, dude. What? I got to face the opposite direction. It's okay. We're not breaking up. So I mean, Alex, I when the orgy, when the, wife, orgy but... when the orgy finishes and everyone's just sort of laying on each other, you're like, "All right, guys, get out of here. I got to sleep facing the other <laughs> way. I need space. I just sort of curl up in a corner and let them orgy it up wherever they are." The Betty <laughs> line of "What's going to happen to us?" just broke me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the one that I wrote down is "I'll always love you too." Just said through clenched <laughs> lips, and to the point you're saying, like. Again, that we don't get a lot of Betty here necessarily, but this is, I think, through Jughead's perspective, because, of course, he's telling the story. Um, Betty rather silently hugs him, goes on a road trip with Alice, just disappears at the end of the episode. And we're left with just Jughead getting in an increasingly sad series of situations. Jesus Christ, the sequence. And just when you thought the cameos were done, sex bunker cameo. Boom! So Jughead yeah. goes to live at the empty Andrews house. Yeah. The electricity gets turned off. The gas uh, yeah. gets turned off. Uh, he goes to the sex bunker. He's like homeless Awful. before college. Yeah. That whole thing was very unnecessarily sad. Like, why did they sell their, that Andrews sell their house without any sort of fanfare? Just gets rid of it. He gets one uh, last well, I mean, burger I guess at Mary Pops. probably... Mary probably went back to Chicago to live with her girlfriend, right? So yeah. she doesn't yeah. need to be there. Archie's going to the army. They don't need the house. It kind of makes sense. No, I, it definitely made sense when I was thinking about it, but it was, it was done without fanfare. It was just like, yeah. Well, no, I, it's very much how, like, you know, you can't go back home type of thing where it's like everything that he knows and is attached to is just slowly being taken away from him in such a sad, mm-hmm. heartbreaking way. And then the last meal, it pops. Yeah, he gets one last burger. He doesn't pay his check when he leaves. I don't know. Question mark. Oh, come on, dude. I think Pops <laughs> got him a burger, man. Mm, maybe. No. Uh, nope. And then it's a year later, Jughead has returned, and nobody is there except for him. He's just sitting there drinking coffee, That's waiting. cold as fuck. Nobody could text. Tough. Nobody could call. The, 
the uh, bell dings on the door. A couple comes in, but it's a different redhead and blonde. It's not Archie and Betty at all. Uh, And he gives a narration in the place we end as he says, well, that's it. We wouldn't see each other for another six years after that. Of course, for another crisis, another mystery. But that's another story for another time. And that's where we end the episode. Uh, First of all, I want to say I thought this was absolutely fucking brilliant way to end the episode. Yes. I w- real quick on that last scene though, I really loved yeah. Pop trying to comfort Jughead. Says they're probably just busy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, Pop, you are not. Your bedside manner is not great. Here. Hey, come on, man, give Pop. He's trying. Yeah, he's trying. Yeah, he's, he's trying. managing several businesses now. He's very yeah. busy. Yeah. Plus, he has to do it. Pop has to do a song at La Bonne Nuit every night too, which is difficult <laughs> for him. So Not I feel singer. like we talked about this a couple of episodes back, uh, but I recently rewatched the pilot wait, wait. and was, oh, yes. I just wanted to say, Go first ahead. off, like, how dare all of them not show up and poor Jughead has to sit there alone. And I was really worried it was going to be like one year, just Jughead, two years, just Jughead, mm-hmm. three years, just Jughead. His beard getting longer yeah, and longer like, and whiter. Uh, and Pop's just being style. like, give up, man, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Just stop, Jughead. Let go. He's like, fuck the, you, Pops. I'm going to. Yeah, the, really like, the scene from Futurama of the dog slowly aging. Oh, except no. Jughead. Oh, yeah, except with Jughead. Just on the road. Oh. Waiting for him. Awful. Uh, what I thought was so brilliant about this, so uh, recently rewatching the pilot, I had completely forgotten that Jughead doesn't show up until the end of the first episode. Like, he narrates, uh. but he... At the end of the episode, Archie comes up to him. Something has happened between them previously. They've kind of fallen apart. But he's there alone and he doesn't want to spend with anybody. The fact that this episode ended with that, with him waiting for everybody now, that after four seasons, he's taken off like his metaphorical armor with the beauty. He's given it up. He's opened. He's loving. He's felt all these things. He's got on all these adventures. And every fear that he has had when he started off, that he was a weirdo, that he was weird, that nobody would ever understand him. He threw those away, but they're all, in his mind, true. Everybody abandoned him. Everybody left him completely alone. That is uh, bringing everything to a close, bringing everything full circle. Awful, a sad way of ending it, but absolutely perfect caught back to the pilot, and I was floored by it. Yeah, Alex, I'm I'm so glad you said weird and weirdo because those two are very different. And I'm glad you made that distinction. Classic speech, man. You can't abridge it. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. It it also makes me think to your point earlier about how this first four seasons was the book of Jughead. Are we going to get another narrator going forward? And is that person Tony? Uh, That was my suspicion. Given that it sounds like she's the only one left at Riverdale kind of at this point doing anything. Um, So that would be interesting. I also wonder if we'll kind of like go through different narrators. Or maybe it's going to be Jellybean. Or maybe the first four seasons were the book of Jughead and the next four seasons are the book of Barchi. That's not cool, dude. It's not cool, bro. That is not cool. That is what I mean. That is what I think. Maybe Dr. Curdle Jr. could be the narrator. And all these bodies wandering around the town. <laughs> that would make more sense. The creepy more guy would make more sense. So there it is. There's what was supposed to be, uh, in some form, the season four finale. Now it's the third episode of season five, so we're going on here. I'm sure we could go into a lot of speculation about the time jump. I appreciate the fact that they did not end on a huge cliffhanger so much as an emotional note and really tied it up there. I thought that was a wonderful way of doing that. Um, I thought this episode was great. 
I agree. I wonder if in the uh, if this had been the actual end of season four, if they would have had a cliffhanger or it would have just been this uh, emotional beat. Um, but honestly, can you imagine if this was the season four ender and we had to wait like so long to get the next episode after this? Like it's going to be hard to wait a week to find out what yeah. the uh, ramifications of all this deeply sad emotional stuff. It's a fact that if we had to wait a whole se- uh, off season would have been very difficult. It was uh, really impressive how this episode ended. Uh, this was a, a, an unbelievable episode, and I thought they handled it really, really well. Yeah. And, and uh, I before- hate both of you guys. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. Nice. Before we wrap up here, who is the MVP of this episode? I know it's going to be tough to chew because everybody was pretty fantastic. Justin, you want to go first here? Uh, yes, I'm going to give it up to Jughead. I thought uh, Cole Sprouse's performance in this episode was so good and he had to carry a lot of the – I mean, he's he's been the narrator. He sort of bears the torch of this show. The stuff – the scenes between he and Betty where he was playing just so heartbroken um, while also showing that he loved her I thought was just so good. And then the, the downbeats at the end of the episode are just – leave such a lasting effect. I thought he was great. Pete, what about you? Got to go with Betty. Um, it's just one of those How things. often? How often? Interesting. Uh, I was a little disappointed that Betty, uh, something Jughead had to say something for her to come clean. I really wanted her to come clean on her own. Uh, but, um, you know, this was just like the saddest thing. Uh, and I'm glad it finally happened and we're past it and we can kind of move on and then maybe hopefully bring some things back together in the way they should go back together. So let me let me ask you this. Uh, next episode, Pete, Betty is dating uh, Archie, hypothetically. Does she still get all-day, air-day status? Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, I don't know. I'm not going to try to predict things, and then I'm not going to follow that up with predictions. Um, you know, but we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> wow, uh, no prediction. I, I thought everybody was absolutely fantastic in this episode, but I'm going to give a shout out to Veronica, who I think has had a really incredible three episode arc here uh, with this whole Varchi breakup thing. The work that Camila Mendez has been doing emotionally yeah. is absolutely beautiful and really almost more than anybody else in the episode. Her expressions and reactions are really the things that um, got me choked up and got some emotion out of me. Um, I thought they were great. And I'm very excited to see what is happening going forward. Uh, one other shout out, uh, not to end on a morose note, but also shout out to Luke Perry who yeah. showed up in this episode yeah. and just this whole quote unquote season. Um, he is obviously gone, but just being reminded of his memory in such a careful, considerate way that was over awesome. the course of these episodes has been absolutely wonderful to see. Yeah, truly, it made really... it made me believe in ghosts briefly in the <laughs> while while watching this episode. No, yeah. I mean, I, I'm so happy the show did such an amazing job uh, with handling, uh, you know, Fred Andrews as a character and Luke Perry's legacy like that. I, I thought it was just. So touching, so well done, and such, like you said, Alex, such a constant throughout the season. Uh, and I feel like that's nice. They did such a good job with it. It doesn't feel weird to move on or anything like that. 
All right. Uh, just to wrap up here, a couple of things to plug. You can support our show at patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Riverdale. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. Uh, socially, you can check us out a couple of different places. Uh, Riverdale Dark on Twitter, Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. We'll see you in seven years for our next episode <laughs> kicking off the book of barchi barchi hey, rising baby on, you guys <laughs> <laughs>